The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're listening to Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email, charlierobinson at tntradio.live. You can go to my new website, macroaggressions.io, and find out all the information about books I've written. You can follow me on social media uh, through the website as well. You can find out all the information there. But let's start with some headlines, shall we, for today? Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. This from Gateway Pundit. Trump-hating comedian, (laughs) comedian in quotes, uh, Jimmy Kimmel flips out after New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers teases that he is on Jeffrey Epstein's client list. Oh, (laughs) the lady doth protest too much, methinks. (laughs) You see, the thing about Jimmy Kimmel is that Maybe he was and maybe he wasn't on the airplane going to Epstein's island. But his business partner, who he owns restaurants with, was Jeffrey Epstein's chef for many, many years. So I don't know where there is smoke. Maybe there is fire, but we'll find out. Also, Pentagon's extremism in our ranks. Propaganda debunked by their own study. Ooh, I guess General Pronouns and General Raytheon will have to fight actual bad guys instead of the uh, invisible ones that they've invented and stuffed into the ranks of the military. And also from Zero Hedge, survivors of October 7th music rave massacre sue Israel for negligence. Uh, This is part of a $56 million lawsuit that has just been filed. I wonder if they're going to jail the helicopter pilots that are machine gunning everyone to death, including people that were also on their side. Oh, I'm sure that'll get uh, swept under the rug and uh, forgotten about just like everything else that uh, happens with regard to the mainstream media. And finally, I'm not going to sing. I promise I'm not going to sing. But I would like to wish a very happy birthday to Bitcoin. It turns 15 today. One more year and it's old enough to drive here in the United States. I wonder where it will be by the time it is old enough to drink a beer. It might be might be banned if the, if the government has any say in it. Well, I, they probably don't. So Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that is, Satoshi Nakamoto, I should say, um, whoever that pseudonym is, hopefully it's not the CIA, but it might be, um, has created the best deflationary store of value in the world in Bitcoin in the form of 21 million Bitcoin when it is finally finished producing them about 100 years from now. It is um, the antithesis to the central banks. It's part of the reasons why the central banks despise that cryptocurrency in particular more so than others because it has a limited supply. And of course, when you're trying to hyperinflate the currency away so that you can finance indiscriminate wars across the globe, well, it kind of hurts when you have a fixed supply. And, and I admit Bitcoin can be a bit confusing. It can be frustrating. It can be technical at times. This is all part of the adaptation process. It's part of the evolution. And when you're dealing with technology, stuff like that, it's probably best to just let a 13-year-old handle it instead. Um, but it it harkens back to the days of early Bitcoin when uh, when some enterprising young people who probably want to throw themselves off a building right now traded 10,000 Bitcoin 
in exchange for just two pizzas. They talked a pizza parlor into it. The irony being that they could probably buy the entire Domino's pizza chain for what they uh, traded is probably is not lost on them. And of course, I wrote a book with Jeff Berwick, owner of the dollar vigilante and the crypto vigilante. And during the course of our writing the book, I had to listen to him remind me countless times that he was in Bitcoin at $3. And as a public service price check, as of this morning, right around $43,000 of Bitcoin. Yeah, a little late to the party. But as they say, you pay the price for Bitcoin that you deserve to pay. And uh, and one of the nice things about it, for those of you that are, are maybe a little bit late to the 15th birthday party, um, understand this. One of the things that Bitcoin is, is it is the antithesis of the central bank digital programmable points that are out there. Now, they will try to conflate that with us as time goes on and try and get you to think of crypto in a broad term, which includes Bitcoin and central bank digital currencies, but do not fall into that trap. They're vastly different. They're easily controllable by the central banks. And the thing about Bitcoin, like it or not, it's public. It's on the public ledger. You have to see it. It is part of a decentralized blockchain. And that is uh, maybe a little bit too technical for some people. But what it means is that everything that you do with that is out in the open and can always be seen and retrieved through the use of the blockchain. So if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. That's what they tell us, right? Well, Let's just take that to its logical conclusion with regard to the monetary system and see how you guys like that. I'll tell you what, it's created a new industry. Bitcoin is the ninth most valuable asset in the world. It is just a fraction behind silver. And as this next decade progresses, it's going to be fascinating to see where this thing goes. So happy birthday, Bitcoin. I'm not going to blow out the candles for you, but I'll listen. I'm hoping that we have a long relationship together and a profitable one. At TNT Radio, we never go home. We are committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7, online, globally, no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. At least 103 people have reportedly been killed in Iran's southern city of Kerman after two explosions ripped through a memorial commemorating the fourth anniversary of the death of Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Force Commander Qasem Soleimani. Uh, here with the story joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Oh, Ruckus, why do I get the feeling that the CIA was involved in this? And when they like, I'm sure that the whole world is probably suspecting uh, one one country in particular um, as being responsible. But no, no one's claimed responsibility for this. Uh, in case the Soleimani name sounds familiar, yes, that is the um, high-ranking, prominent Iranian general who was wiped off of the face of the planet courtesy of a U.S. drone strike ordered by Donald Trump back in 2020. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what happened. Uh, so uh, that's the, that's this guy. Uh, so this is the fourth anniversary. They were having a memorial ceremony, and then there were two, if I'm not mistaken, massive explosions just minutes apart. Um, this city, Kerman, it's a it's about a 500 or so miles southeast of the capital, uh, Tehran. Now, as I indicated, no group has immediately claimed any responsibility, uh, and Iranian state media is calling this a terror or terroristic attack. So they say it's terrorism. 
Well, Israel uh, has carried out attacks in Iran over its nuclear program. It has conducted targeted assassinations, however, not mass casualty bombings. So already we get the impression that it doesn't seem like the work of Israel, but as you mentioned, maybe the work of another group. Uh, Sunni extremist groups, including the Islamic State group, have conducted large-scale attacks in the past that killed civilians in Shiite-majority Iran, though not in relatively peaceful Kerman. Uh, This is according to Time. Um, Let's see... Switching sources here. Iran uh, has apparently, in case you didn't know, seen massive protests in recent years, including those over the death of a 22-year-old Masha Amini back in 2022. The country has also been targeted by exile groups in attacks dating back to the turmoil surrounding its 1979 Islamic Revolution. Um, and let's see, uh, Soleimani, as I mentioned, was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Iraq in January of 2020, um, and these explosions occurred near his grave site, which is located in Kerman. The Iranian state television uh, quoted Babak Yektaprast, a spokesman for the country's emergency services, or the casualty figure of at least 103. Um, there's conflicting reports already about how many people have been injured, but I think there's at least 141, upwards of 200-something uh, injuries here. Um, and so that's pretty much where we're at. A little backstory on Soleimani is he was the architect of Iran's regional military activities, activities and has been hailed as a national icon among supporters of Iran's theocracy. He also helped secure Syrian President Bashar Assad's government after the 2011 Arab Spring protests against him turned into a civil and then later a regional war, which still rages on today. Uh, Relatively unknown in Iran until the 2003 U.S. invasion of Iraq, Soleimani's popularity and mystique grew after American officials called for his killing over his help arming militants with penetrating roadside bombs that killed and maimed U.S. troops. A decade and a half later, Soleimani had become Iran's most recognizable battlefield commander, ignoring calls to enter politics, but growing as powerful, if not more, than its civilian leadership. Uh, Ultimately, a drone strike launched by the Trump administration, I was right, killed the general, part of escalating incidents that followed America's 2018 unilateral withdrawal from Tehran's nuclear deal with world powers. And uh, finally, Charlie Soleimani's death has drawn large processions in the past. Uh, At his funeral in 2020, a stampede broke out in Kerman, and at least 56 people were killed and more than 200 were injured as thousands thronged the procession. Uh, otherwise, the city of Kerman largely has been untouched in the recent unrest and attacks that have struck Iran. Um, and of course, this is all taking place at a very uh, tenuous time. Um, we have the Middle East on edge over Israel's war on Hamas in Gaza, of course. So the timing on this one is what I would say is uh, no bueno, Charlie. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's got uh, the CIA's fingerprints all over it. They're more crude in the bombing standpoint, uh, collateral damage, lots of deaths, whereas the Israelis tend to lo- like cyber attacks. That's a, That's been a, a favorite of theirs, attacking the centrifuges of Iran's uh, nuclear programs. And, and we can go back to the a couple decades ago with Stuxnet and what they've done in, in that capacity. So, look, if we were going to line up a list of suspects as to who is responsible for this, obviously, we 
dragon, the usual ones, Israel, the United States, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Mossad, MI6. Uh, they all look like they have a vested interest in starting something. And, uh, and if it were my guess, it would probably be the United States because the United States is desperately looking for a reason to distract from its own failings, including an impending economic collapse that's maybe just right around the corner. So anytime you can get a chance to distract the audience and pull the rabbit out of your hat and once again make bombs go off in Iran, it seems like that's, that is our specialty, unfortunately, as a society when it comes to dealing with foreign policy, uh, we tend to uh, go with the tried and true Operation Gladio formula of just make things blow up and create chaos. And then that way you can shape public opinion in the aftermath of that. But I think the public and the the general public in, of, of the world and, and obviously the public inside of Iran, they're not falling for this. They know what's going on. They know who's who's behind this. It's always the West. It's not their own people doing this. It doesn't make any sense for them to bomb their own uh, events like this, but it certainly does make sense to find Western intelligence fingerprints all over it. And if that's my guess, if I were to put my money on it, it would be the CIA and uh, with a little logistics support from probably Saudi Arabia and uh, and Israel. But uh, but what do I know? I'm just some dummy that hosts a television show. Um, and um, I could be wrong, but uh, but it feels like we've seen this before, right? I feel like I'm watching a rerun. This is like, oh, here comes the West to stoke up and start World War III in Iran by causing all sorts of problems. Do you think they're going to take the bait this time or are they have they seen this movie once uh, too often? Well, I don't, I mean, we could really go down a rabbit hole. I mean, because people aren't stupid anymore. People expect this kind of thing. So what if it's like a double reverse psychological psyop and, and it's like Iran did it to themselves to make them, you know, say, oh, look what the U.S. did to us. Let's go to war with the U.S. Maybe the shoe's on the other foot, Charlie. A hundred million things could be true. Plus, we have only Iran's state media to depend on the reporting on this. So you have to take all of it with an absolute huge grain of salt. Um, and then, you know, then again, absolutely nothing could have happened. What if it was just an absolute accident? And, you know, these people are masters at, at spinning the narrative. Uh, it, it never matters what actually happened. It only matters what they tell us happened, Charlie. Yeah, that is that is so true. It is a uh, an information war. As the great Alex Jones said, it's an information war. I feel like we're losing sometimes. We're definitely losing if you watch the mainstream media to, to watch those, uh, uh, you know, script readers or repeaters or whatever you want to call them, soulless automatrons. But um, so the media has always been dirty and corrupt. And you're right. It could be a, it could be the old switcheroo, the double reverse where Iran did it to themselves. And they say, well, watch this one. This, you know, they're all they're all going to suspect it was the CIA, but we'll do it to ourselves. And this time we'll actually get away with it. Maybe. Maybe everything's on the table, except whatever the official story is. Yeah. I take that immediately off the table because the official story, no matter who it's coming from, is almost always a lie. And so I would uh, I'd rather operate uh, with with some assumptions and work backwards than to than to ever listen to anything that comes out of state media, be that be that the Iranian state or the especially the American state. We know uh, what that gets us, which is. Uh, a bunch of disinformation and lies. And of course, there is that thing called Operation Mockingbird that we might have heard of uh, a time or two where 
we just have to be careful about uh, the information sausage that we are consuming because you don't get the label to know exactly what all is in it. Thanks, Ruckus. We'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate you. Yeah, Charlie, take care. After the break, we will be back with the Wives Wolf himself, Mr. Tony Arterburn. Don't go anywhere. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time sugar 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 and then that's not even to bring in like msg monosodium glutamate and and i if i i can say you know you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food there's nothing to eat in there i very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places and if you go into the supermarket there's only the first two aisles that have got real food the rest it, it's not food and i see what people buy I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. That is true. They have never told me what I can and can't say on this show. So I love that and I appreciate that so much. My first guest is the owner of Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. You can catch his Paratruther podcast, which is available wherever podcasts are served. You can also catch America Unplugged. That goes out on Rockfin. And when David Knight takes a break, there's only one man he calls. That is the wise wolf himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Arterburn back on the show. Good to see you, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great, Charlie. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me. Well, happy birthday to Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, what, do, <laughs> what, do, what do we make of this? We're, we're in an interesting time. We've got... Uh, um, We've got uh, gold at all-time highs. We've got silver being actively suppressed. We've got uh, um, Bitcoin starting to get in the conversation. We have uh, ETFs talking about maybe opening up this month. Are we at a are we at a a pivotal time in the monetary system of this country? Oh, I think you could say that. Uh, did you know that the dollar is the world's oldest living fiat currency right now? No. The average age of a fiat currency throughout history, by the way, they all go to zero, but the average age of a fiat currency is about 26 years. So we're 50 years on. We're the world's oldest fiat currency. And every currency on earth that's run by a government is fiat currency. Also, they followed our lead after Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. I just learned this the other day, too, because this is my wheelhouse and I'm always digging into facts and figures and you know trying to wrap my head around 
this enormous scam that is coming to an end. Unfortunately, they're going to bring in a new scam, which is central bank digital currency. We can talk about that too, but just wrap your head around this, Charlie. When I was born in 1970, I was born the day that the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. Since that time, uh, 1979, there is 52 times more currency on earth than there was when I was born. Now, when you increase the money supply, that is technically inflation. You make prices go up because you devalue that currency. There's 52 times more currency in the world today than there was when I was born. I just saw the headline on Drudge, uh, debt disgrace, $34 trillion. The United States, $34 trillion in debt. It's another thing, you know, again, 44 years ago, uh, the debt of the U.S. was just a little under a trillion dollars. So we are accelerating to a to a point of no return, especially in the West. King dollar is going to be dethroned. I don't wish for that. It's going to be bloody. It is going to hurt a lot of people. I remember something our Buckminster Fuller said, and I quote it all the time. People cannot get out of the way of what they don't see coming. And people don't do not see there is a giant financial reset. I, I don't know where I get this. They keep telling me there's a great reset. I should, you should pay attention to that. They're resetting it. Uh, so you ask about Bitcoin too. Bitcoin, Charlie, th those those things, they're moving in opposite directions. The Bitcoin system, I think there will be a time uh, within the near future, five, 10 years, where we won't even value Bitcoin in dollars. Bitcoin will be a separate thing. Uh, you know, I'm a gold and silver guy, but I also look to the future. And I think that, that Bitcoin has a story to tell. And just again, all people around the world, they're moving away from fiat systems they don't trust it yeah and and why should they they've done nothing but use the fiat system to especially here with the with the dollar to to do all sorts of unspeakable things with it it would be one thing if we were just printing money so that we could buy food for people that needed it but instead we're printing money so that we can go to lockheed martin give it to them so that we can bomb people and redraw their boundaries so this is it's been you know, there, there's part of me that that says good, good riddance to the dollar. You know, with all of the destruction that it has uh, caused around this planet, uh, not in the hands of the general public, of course. You know, we're the ones that um, uh, are going to probably suffer even more as this transition unfolds. But, but it's it's been used for such nefarious things that I almost feel like good riddance to, to the U.S. dollar. And I don't say that lightly because I know that I'm going to be impacted and everybody that I know is going to be impacted. And when you make something like this so that you absolutely positively as a country have to have it because of the petrodollar arrangement, then you create this uh, artificial demand for it, right? And if we move to a place where the dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency or the petrodollar standard falls apart and there is no more false demand for it, what happens to the supply of dollars, Tony? Where do they wind up coming? Well, that goes back to something in the 19, late 1960s. There was an economist named Robert Triffin. It's called Triffin's Dilemma. And he was testifying before Congress and they was talking about the world's reserve currency. What happens when, if we go off a gold standard, which they looked like we were going to in the late 60s because the other countries started to notice, hey, America took its silver out of its coinage. Are they inflating the money supply? Are they debasing their coin, just like the Roman Empire and other empires that have gone before us? We start by debasing the currency. Well, Robert Triffin said, well, 
since we've had to become the world's reserve currency in 1944 at Bretton Woods, and that was where the IMF was born, uh, gold uh, was $35 an ounce. That was the set to the dollar standard at $35 an ounce. And he said, what happens when the world gives up on that? Those dollars are repatriated. Technically, we're talking about quadrillions that have had to, of dollars that had to be created to fill all these other central banks. So multiply that feeling that you have of being disgusted by the Luciferian bankster notes, as I call them, multiply that times a million, and you probably have the feelings of the leadership of the BRICS nations. They want away from the, from King Dollar and the dollar system. The rest of the world is moving away. Uh, you have little, little blips on the radar like uh, the IMF putting together the new uh, president uh, of Argentina. He's moving to the dollar, which is weird. He's supposed to be an anarcho-capitalist, and he brings in the dollar. There's probably a lot to talk about there. But you see, there, that's not the trend. The trend is moving away from the dollar. And I think it's going to have dire consequences for the power brokers who think that it's you know they're invincible and that the party goes on forever here in Washington. I, I don't think that's going to... Um, to last, I think we're we're watching the controlled demolition, as you pointed out, with Jeff Berwick, the controlled demolition of the American Empire, and it starts with the currency. Yeah, and I don't wish this on anybody. I know it's going to be painful, and like you said, that you it's hard to get out of the way of something that you don't really see coming. And Berwick and I kind of wrapped up our book by talking about that, about how the people in Indonesia on the on. December 26, 2004 went out to to find that the the water in the ocean was gone and they couldn't they couldn't wrap their heads around it but those that had experience knew that that was building into a tsunami that was soon going to be coming to get them if only they had recognized the signs in the case of a tsunami they would still be alive i feel like we're standing on the beach we've gone out there there's no water and we're looking around trying to make the next move well the next move is definitely to get yourself to higher ground but like you said, it's hard. If you don't know that there's something coming your way, you'll just be standing out there taking selfies of a beach with no water on it. We'll be back on the other side of this break with Tony Arterburn. This is TNT Radio. Now, I've got, I've got good news and, and bad news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Saleh al-Aruri, the deputy chief of Hamas, was reportedly killed in a drone strike in Beirut's southern Daya district, a known Hezbollah stronghold. Japan's Kyoto News has been reporting on the contentious Senkaku Islands, highlighting the Chinese Communist Party's directive to the Chinese Coast Guard in late November last year to firmly uphold China's stance on the islands. The Ukrainian military will have the discretion to determine the use of missiles for HIMARS launchers supplied by the United States. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We're back with Tony Arterburn from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. Uh, Tony, you mentioned this briefly in passing, the BRICS nations. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and now this expansion to add seven more. Well, I guess it looks like it's going to be six more because Argentina has reversed course. But but that's just the beginning expansion. There's still, I think, uh, two dozen other countries that have expressed some form of interest in wanting to at least explore some opportunities with this expanded BRICS coalition. And one of the interesting things about this group is that they have gone to a gold-backed currency a currency used to trade and settle uh, 
trade between the countries, not so much a retail consumer level currency, at least not yet. But this seems to me like um, something that we should be paying attention to if for no other reason than that this group feels like they're turning back the clock to pre-Nixon when the currencies that they were using actually were backed by gold. And at least in that capacity, you can make an argument for, oh, you guys are overreacting about this fiat currency. See, it's backed by gold. Well, if you really can redeem it for gold, then I suppose that that's worth something. But if you if in the end it, it is just some sort of, um, you know, even if it's just the thought that you could redeem it for gold gives it a little bit of backing but the um, america has gone completely off the rails and has gone a totally different direction than this who wins this currency battle does the u.s dollar stick around because it's backed up not by gold but by the u.s military or is this the the time when we start to seriously ask about our currencies being backed by something tangible like a precious metal such as gold well, I kind of think of the the high comedy of, of some years back when uh, Russia tried to join NATO. Remember that? They, they said, yeah. oh, you want to protect Europe? Uh, this is a security alliance. Uh, can you let us in? Because it's, it's, it's what NATO is about, right? Uh, so I think something similar would, you know, the United States might start asking to join BRICS because, you know, something's wrong and they and we know it. And, and these other countries, which, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, it's 40 percent of the world's population. So again, the, the, they're trending towards the future, which is going away from the dollar, uh, resetting the the, the uh, commodities table for for standard value. You know, gold hasn't really gone up in value in the last hundred years. It's pretty stable. Uh, you know, the old bankster J.P. Morgan said, uh, "Gold is money, and everything else is credit." Well, that's not true anymore. Everything else is debt. So you see central banks being becoming net buyers across the board after 2008, and they haven't stopped. Only one central bank is not buying gold, and that's the United States. That's, well, the, the Federal Reserve Bank. Whoever owns that, it's not we the people. It's not the American people that own uh, this uh, international banking consortium. It's, it's, you know, it's private. So again, they're not buying gold. Uh, there's an argument to be made that China has surpassed the U.S. gold holdings and because they, they've been quietly buying since the beginning of the century and keeping gold off their books, which is a really uh, interesting question. Why would you not want people to know how much gold you have? That, that also is another security issue for countries. You can usually find out where their you know, nuclear arms are stored and, and uh, some of their nastier weapons and where they're manufactured, but finding their gold is harder. It's, it's really interesting. You know, you, this is the things that aren't talked about on mainstream news. You know, the financial networks are just trying to keep you in the casino. It's, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. But when it comes down to it, we've built a world of fake, really at the origin of all the fake, whether it's the deep state or the fake news media. Or there's buildings that are, have been built. There's corporations that exist today that should not exist they're literally zombies, Charlie. They're zombie corporate hundreds in the United States that exist because of fake money that are propped up by the Federal Reserve. So I think all this is coming to an end, or at least it's there's a reckoning day. And I think what's going to happen is these dollars get repatriated. Countries continue to move away from the dollar. The dollar loses purchasing power. That is a dangerous time because you can see the, the war clouds, because that's when uh, an empire starts flailing, 
We have to be very cautious of that and, and keep our head on a swivel because there's going to be a massive amount of change. And you really can't cover that in, in a short amount of time. But there is that is the key, is that change in the chaos, that's where we, when we're talking to our audience, especially your audience too, that's the issue, is, is how to survive, how to thrive in the chaos. And really just being nimble, not having too much of your eggs in one basket, uh, being able to adapt. But just know that this, what normalcy bias is really the enemy. And uh, that's what we need to be prepared for is massive change when it comes to currency. It's gotten a lot of people killed. A lot of people that that said this can't possibly be happening. You know, of, of course, this is everything's going to get worked out in the end. Well, if you're slow to evolve or recognize the signs, then you you will unfortunately have to deal with that. I wonder about, um, you know, you and I have talked before about the fourth turning. You know, I mean, you can almost get a calendar out and take a look at this and you go, oh, let me look, let me look at the dates and let me line this thing up and you go, yeah, I mean, it's we're we're scheduled for a fourth turning and a complete un upending of our current system. And I would say that it that that, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure if it's the worst thing in the world because our current system is broken in some capacity in some of these aspects of it it needs to be changed I, it's going to be a pain it's going to be really messy for a lot of people but the idea of this american version of the empire with a thousand military bases and the petrodollar arrangement and the and the you know slapping sanctions on countries because they don't do the things that you want them to do like that's disgusting and gross empire empirical behavior and and of course that seems like it's coming to an end i guess we can't technically put it on a calendar but do you get that same feeling like this is the end of the era absolutely and you uh, kind of like david knight says it's an error not an era right <laughs> it's it's a, a different way of looking at it i mean you have joe biden is a perfect example of the lifespan of a fourth turning you know he was born at the the uh end of the last fourth turning which was the end of the great depression and world war ii it's about every 80 years in a society you have a massive upheaval change institutions are scrapped it's usually uh accompanied by currency wars trade wars actual war again massive societal shifts and you have uh, individual turnings inside each so a turning is 20 years you get this is from this is biblically, you know, you're looking at something like Ecclesiastes, there's a turning. And so, again, society 80 years ago was getting, you know, coming out of World War II. We had the, we unleashed the atomic bomb. The IMF was born out of Breton Woods, the gold standard dollars, uh, $35 an ounce, um, the World Bank. And that system lasted uh, until 1971 when Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, that the, uh, the Breton Woods Agreement. Now we're way past that. We're in uncharted territory. Again, the United States has the oldest living fiat currency on earth. That doesn't, that's not going to end. It's not going to win against gold. It's impossible because you're constantly losing value. And the magic trick is they've just been able to build this massive deep state, just this, this corrupt, this organic corruption, you know, uh, metastasizing thing. That's just all throughout of our or throughout our culture, and I again they've they've been arrogant, and they've overstretched. There, there's no way out now, and I, even if they have a war, they're still going to have to deal with the consequences 
yeah. of the you know the the economic consequences of their decisions, Charlie. So I, I don't. I, there's no way this ends well for the American empire. And I think there's going to be a reshuffling of the deck. I'm with you. I like decentralization. Uh, I don't need governments for currency. If you follow, you know, especially with things like Bitcoin or the the international gold standard and what spot price is and private corporations and people can do a much better job than the government. And again, we'll have a lot, I think we'll have a lot better uh, system in place if, if, if it's decentralized and it's a lot more honest, I think we'll have a lot healthier economy. But yeah. to get there, you're talking about a fourth turning. I'll never forget, before I started my radio career, I picked up a book uh, in 2011, at the end of 2011, uh, called Suicide of a Superpower, uh, Will America Survive to 2025? is by Pat Buchanan. And I'd been a big fan of his book, The Death of the West. And the problems he laid out in there, whether the trade deficits, the actual deficits, the, the, the debt, uh, what had happened to our currency, our imperial overstretch, all the things he was talking about in the end of 2011, Charlie, those are quaint compared to where we are now. He was he called it. And I think a lot of people that are following these historical cycles and trends, the Romans called it a secularum. Um, but these but the elite know this, too, that they're running the simulations. They have to be, you know, they have to see where we're headed. And so, uh, again, you're, you're totally right. There's a there's going to be a mat. We're heading into a period of change and chaos and uh, especially with the election coming up <laughs> also yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff on the table and uh the people are going to need uh people like you more than ever to try to make sense of it all my friend can you stay with us for a second segment sure okay we'll we'll, we'll do that. i wanted to make a i wanted to make a, a snarky comment that our currency is so old that um it doesn't even know when to get off the stage and how to get off the stage when it's done. It's that it's our currency is so old that it shit its pants with the Pope. Uh, no, that's, I'm just kidding. That's our precedent. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back after this break with more with Tony Arterburn. This is TNT radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a, a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries. Stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. If you can't believe what you're hearing, get the straight talk from Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
We are back for a final segment with Tony Arterburn. Wise Wolf, Gold and Silver, get yourself sorted out. Listen, if you're waiting for the mainstream media to tell you it's time to get yourself some gold and silver, you will be waiting around for a long time. Tony, we've talked about gold. We've talked about Bitcoin. Let's talk a little bit about silver. Silver is my favorite because it's so easy to buy. It's so easy to own. It's been around for a long time. It has all sorts of uh, industrial usages to it. It's and every one of those, say what you want about the, uh, the American empire bombing the hell out of these countries. But every time they they send one of those uh, super fancy missiles, I heard it has 30 pounds of silver in it. So we're destroying silver at the it, so is is silver deflationary if the American Empire has a say in it? <laughs> it feels like it. I mean, I love silver. It feels extremely undervalued at about 25 US dollars an ounce, give or take. Um, what is what's the story about silver? What should we know about this? Well, a great uh, portion of silver that's ever been mined is in landfills because it wasn't uh, wasn't expensive enough. It wasn't profitable enough to get it out of these electronics. And you mentioned the missiles, the Tomahawk missile, I think has 40 pounds or something odd silver because it's the most uh, thermoconductive metal on Earth. The only thing that comes close to it is copper. So if you really want your electronics to work right, you use silver. As a matter of fact, I used silver this morning to spray my throat. I mean, I with all the uh, vaccine shedding going on or whatever pestilence has been released from whatever, <laughs> I just, I have to deal with it. And I, I spray silver on my throat and uh, cause it's antibacterial and uh, hospitals use that. Like the, you know, if you have a really bad infection, uh, something that's antibiotic resistant, use silver. You know, they used to take uh, silver dollars and throw it in the, the milk on the wagon trains because uh, it would stay uh, fresher longer. Uh, silver again. It's it has so many healing properties. Not just and it's a monetary metal too. It's an industrial metal. It's a monetary metal, and it's the most undervalued asset in the history of mankind. There's no way that silver should be twenty five dollars an ounce spot price. Now, can you find silver for twenty five dollars an ounce? Probably not. Uh, not even with me, because uh, you still have to pay a premium to like to get it in the real world. But if uh, you know if 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 any rich person, right, and there's a there's a story behind this too, Charlie. There's a story. It's probably one of the greatest untold conspiracy theories and conspiracy stories. It's not a theory, I don't think, that silver is undervalued because no one wants to touch it. The last uh, family that touched it was the Hunt family in the 1970s. You know, the Hunt the Hunt brothers and their family had had you know oil contracts. Now, they're a Texas uh, Texas family they had oil contracts at one time. They owned all the oil uh, in Libya until a Gaddafi was installed, and they lost that. They would have been the richest family in the world. So they they had a lot of ties, and of course, there's a lot of there's a lot of JFK assassination research that kind of puts the hunts in there in that periphery. I don't know, but I will say that they tried to corner the silver market, not necessarily corner it, but they saw what had happened in the '70s with us going off the gold standard and you know the dollar losing its purchasing power, and they thought, well, we got to protect our wealth. So they started buying the physical silver. Again, it's not that much. So they were getting to where they were driving the price up and people saw that. They were turning in their silver, going up in their attic and finding old sterling and having it melted because it was worth it. So when I was about, let's see, three or four months old, silver hit its all-time high, $52.50 an ounce in 1980 because the hunts started buying up all the physical silver. Well, just after that, 
the deep state, whatever you want to call them, along with the uh, alphabet agencies that that run the casino stock market, they shut the hunts down and bankrupted them. Okay, because they weren't able to fulfill contracts. And it's very complicated the way they did it. It made it look like it was legit, but it wasn't. And that was no one since then has touched silver. I mean, Elon Musk could easily buy up all the silver. It'd be like petty cash. I've heard this before, like given the announcement, you could buy up and corner that market and drive the price up and do what? But nobody does it because it, it would reflect that there's something wrong with our monetary system. The rest of the world, I think, knows this. The largest holder of silver in the world is J.P. Morgan, physical silver. Okay. Now, is. why don't they want the price to go up, Charlie? Because then it would expose it would expose their scams on everything else. Uh, they 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 would. Uh, I, my guess is that this is a great hedge for them. If if everything else falls apart, they've got uh, they've got silver if they need it. Well, you could tell everybody later. You know, it will the price will reset itself. So, but if you're accumulating, the last thing you want to do is tell people to go get it. I remember right. at the beginning of 2021 that Reddit board that had they done with GameStop, they were trying to do the same thing with uh, silver. So they said, don't buy contracts, buy physical silver. And I remember my phone was blowing up because people all over the country were trying to, they bought up all the silver. The next day, the price went down. Now, not only is that's impossible, okay? That's not how economics works. I'm not a professor, but I'm pretty sure if I, if I can't find something, the price should go up. It went down and that's because the powers that be and the bullion banks sold off 1.5 times the annual supply in one day to show that it was not uh, being sought after to kill the demand. I can't prove it, but that's what they did. So there's something inherently wrong with the pricing structure on silver. I don't know what it's going to. This is not investment advice. I don't give any of that. But I would say, do your homework on there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with it takes 87 ounces of, of silver to make one ounce of gold. Historically, that's just stupid. Uh, from the from the dawn of mankind, whenever we had a, something as, uh, resembling an economy, Charlie, it's been 10 to 1. Uh, the United States set it up at 16 to 1. It was 16 ounces of silver to one ounce of gold until 1933. So that, again, all throughout history, it's never been, I mean, during this, this scamdemic at the height of the, the crash, the first quarter in 2020, it was 125 ounces of silver to make one ounce of gold. People were calling me trying to get $12, $13 an ounce silver. And I said, it doesn't exist. It only exists on like paper. Like you can buy an ETF, but you can't buy it from me. Nobody's selling and I don't have any supply. So I, I think... I think that's probably if there is a future, I'm trying to be optimistic. If there is a, if there is future historians that write about this time that aren't AI, you know, extraterrestrials or something, like right. if they're if they're writing about it, I think those they'll, it'll be one of the greatest stories, uh, economic stories ever told. And you're not making this up, of course, because we've had these. We've had LIBOR and Forex and COMEX and all of these marketplaces get busted. All the banks that were participating in there, they were they were tried and found guilty of rigging markets, including precious metals. So, so this isn't like conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy analysis. This is like we're analyzing an actual crime. We're not theorizing that, oh, what do you, you think these bankers might want to manipulate the price of silver? No, no. 
they've been manipulating it to the point where they got arrested for it and had to plead guilty. But but what's a two billion dollar fine when when it's it's the cost of doing business, right? Because if you don't suppress it, then people start to get the idea, hey, maybe we buy some silver, maybe we buy some gold, because these seem like reasonable, sound investments. And of course, the last thing that if you're running a fake fiat Ponzi scheme printing press, the last thing in the world you want to do is introduce something that is the exact opposite of everything that you're doing, because people will rightly compare them and go, hmm, no counterparty risk to this gold or silver. It's actually worth something. It costs money to come out of the ground, costs money to get refined, as opposed to what? This pile of paper that you guys, are, you just say it's valuable because you, a consortium of criminals, say it's valuable. Which one am I going to listen to? I mean, I know there's a lot of fluoride in the water, but they're going to have to double down if they want people to believe that nonsense. And that, that, that's kind of where we are, man. I feel like, uh, I feel like if you're if you're surveying the landscape and you're taking a look at everything that's going on out here and you see gold and you see silver and you and you see fiat and you go no no what I want is I want to participate I want to continue to participate in this scam then I, you know I do so at your own peril and of course this is not I'm not giving investment advice I'm not licensed to do it don't listen to me just think about it right isn't this just sort of a thought experiment too at its core like how can silver be priced lower than the price of pulling it out of the ground and refining it and all of that? That is incompatible with logic, reality, and math, and markets, and Adam Smith's invisible hand, and all of this stuff, right? It feels like the entire structure of suppressing gold and silver prices, especially silver, it's just, it's just rampant criminality, right? Absolutely. And again, you go back and do the pricing model. How much could you buy in 1980 with $52.50 compared to what you can buy now? So that even in, its, in and of itself, pricing it 44 years ago, that doesn't make sense because you're, it's not 52 50 that would be the all-time high. If you reset it and adjusted for all the criminality and the debasing of our current system, it's probably like $250. So I, I don't know what to tell people. I know that, uh, yeah, traditionally when, when markets are manipulated, they try to get to drive up the price or do a pump and dump, you know, uh, give a lot of hype, get people to buy in at the top, all the, you know, the CEOs and the usual suspects, golden parachutes, everybody gets out and leaves in, uh, the general public holding the bag. But that's not what's happening here. So it's counterintuitive. It's very, it's, it's, it's very subtle. There's a lot of subterfuge, skullduggery going on in that. I can't tell you all the ins and outs because I don't know. I just know by history, this is not right. There's something off. And that's a, I've talked about it for years now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know they can't. this cannot go on forever. It's uh, What was that speechwriter for Nixon, Herbert Stein? And they used to joke about uh, he had the Herbert Stein's law. And his, uh, Herbert Stein's law was if it cannot go on forever, it will stop. Well, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's it's not going to go on forever. It'll stop. Well, is it going to stop before we get this uh, 2024 election or selection process going on, man? Because this feels like, I mean, every four years we get the same song and dance. It feels, you know, it's the most important election of our lifetime, Tony. I don't know if you, I don't know if you got the memo from the mainstream media. They'll tell you that it's the most <laughs> important. But it, it's always, it's always the the 
it's always fun to watch, I suppose. But what do you, what do your, what's your take on the beginning? We we're here at the beginning of 2024. It all feels very weird. How are you uh, preparing for impact for this, uh, for this 2024 year? Well, it's unpopular opinion. I wish I believed differently, but it is more like a selection than an election. And I go get the primaries coming up and you got these, these unhinged uh, globalist weirdos that, you know, I got to get Trump off the ballot. I got to get Trump off the ballot. I'm like, so you, you want to champion our democracy, which we are not a democracy. We are supposed to be a constitutional Republic, but beside the point, we're a democracy, but you can't have democracy. People don't have ballot access. Uh, and it's not just Trump. You know, that's not really the story. There's lots of people that would love to be on ballots, but these states have made it very, very hard to compete, the duopoly between the two parties. But as I'm watching the, it doesn't even feel like an election year, but you've got the uh, the primaries coming up. I mean, as it stands right now, Charlie, I don't see uh, who competes with Trump to get the nomination. Uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, I don't see how Trump has a path to victory unless there is a uh, flurry of third-party candidacies, kind of like an inverse Ross Perot or something like, you you know, the Buchanan votes that drew off Al Gore's votes in 2000 with those hanging chads in Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's possible that, you know, Trump could win if if he's the nominee, I mean, any given Sunday, I guess it was like those uh, those mail in ballots that that he allowed in 2020 are going to come back. And those lockdown, you know, all the lock, all the lockdown election stuff is still in place that in 2020. I don't I, I don't know. And then again, there's so much to unpack there. Like, does the ruling class, do they really oppose him? Because in my mind, I mean, he got he pushed through a lot of globalist agenda stuff. In 2020, with uh, with Operation Warp Speed, he put Fauci in charge of the country. I don't know why they're so mad at him, uh, but they, they they don't like his rhetoric. There's some there's some, they are pushing him and inflating his base the more that they persecute him. Uh, so I don't know. I have people asking me what's gonna who do you? And I'm not endorsing any candidate. I'm not doing that. If somebody does something great for the country, the economy, I, I applaud them. If they're going against my values and the Constitution, then I oppose them. And it's pretty much that simple. It's it is it's not that complicated. Yeah. Trump represents a a a variable that they don't know how to control fully. He like you said, he's done some his Operation Warp Speed uh, component was disgusting. But it reminds me of the Newt Gingrich quote that I put in my octopus book when uh, he was talking about Trump after winning the presidency, but before he had actually taken office, he said, Donald Trump's going to have a hard time in Washington. He's not a part of the club. He's not a part of the secret societies. And that is the only time in my life I will agree with Newt Gingrich. Um, (laughs) But it's I'll tell you one thing is for certain, it's going to be a wild 2024. It's worth paying attention to from a financial standpoint, from a political standpoint. There's all kinds of things going on. And of course, I appreciate you. Tony, where's the best place for people to find you and support your work? Uh, you can go to my website, arterburn.news or wisewolfgoldandsilver.com if you want to get in touch with me. That's the place to do it. Get yourself prepared for what's coming. Be proactive as opposed to reactive. I will see you back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern. Take it easy, everybody. Don't burn the place down while I'm gone.